0: Welcome to the QNS podcast. Each week, we take a look back at a week's worth of Queens news. I'm Jacob Kay.
1: And I'm Angelica Acevedo. It's time to vote. Today on the show, we take you into the city charter revisions, which you'll be voting on Tuesday, November 5th. Also, a look into the Queens District Attorney's Race and the Race for Public Advocate. Lastly, we sit down with City Councilman Casa Constantinides, who is running for Queens Borough President. He gives us his vision for the future of Queens.
0: Let's burrow in. Okay, so we want to take you into this ballot. We're not going to go through everything, and it's not a big election year, but the items on the ballot are still very significant. And we're going to try and explain it as clearly as possible, but a fair warning, things might get a little corny. First up... We have revisions to the city charter, which is essentially the city's constitution.
1: The first one is ranked choice voting. What's that about? Ranked choice voting would allow voters to rank their top five candidates in primaries and special elections, instead of just voting for one person, like we do now.
0: Okay. But how would that that even work?
1: Well, voters would rank candidates in order of their preference. Then all of the first choice votes are tallied, and if a candidate gets 50% of the first choice votes then they definitely won. But if no candidate receives 50% of the first choice votes, the candidate in last place is eliminated.
0: But then you still have a bunch of candidates. So what happens next?
1: Well, the votes for the last place candidate would transfer to the next candidate in the list. This process is repeated until two candidates are left. So whoever has the most votes wins.
0: Okay, so if the amendment passes, what happens?
1: Then, the ranked choice voting will be used in primary or special elections beginning in 2021. A no vote, though, wouldn't change the way we vote.
0: So what other changes should voters be looking out for?
1: Another biggie is the Civilian Complaint Review Board Charter Amendment. If you vote yes for this amendment, the city charter would add two members to the Civilian Complaint Review Board, which already has 13 members. Of those two additions, one would be appointed by the public advocate and the other by the mayor and speaker of the council.
0: Okay. What else?
1: This amendment would also allow the city council to appoint members directly without the mayor having final appointing authority. And among other things in this amendment, it would add a requirement to have the city police commissioner provide the CCRB with a written explanation whenever the board's disciplinary recommendations aren't followed. Okay. Mm hmm. So, another amendment that I thought was interesting was the fifth ballot question, which is about land use charter. A yes vote would change the Euler process. You'd be voting for the city charter to require the Department of City Planning to provide a summary of the Euler projects to the borough president, board, and community boards affected by the project.
0: I thought that was already a thing.
1: Apparently not, Jacob. Oh. This particular change would give the board and the borough president 30 days before the project application is certified for review by the public. It will also increase the amount of time allowed for review of the Euler projects by those affected community boards to either 75 days or 90 days, depending on the timing.
0: This this seems like a, a lot to take in.
1: It sure is. But for a more in-depth outline of these ballot questions, head over to QNS.com.
0: Also, be voting for the next Queens District Attorney on Tuesday. And the race made a lot of headlines earlier this summer during the Democratic primary when Queensboro President Melinda Katz and public defender Tiffany Caban entered into a recount after the initial vote was too close to call. Katz squeezed out the victory and now she goes up against the Republican nominee, Joe Murray.
1: So, what are the issues here, Jacob?
0: Well, the issues are obviously all related to criminal justice. This is a race for the district attorney's office, after all.
1: But what do Katz and Murray think about Rikers and the plan for borough-based jails?
0: Well, so Katz, who's the Democrat and who's very likely to win, is pretty excited about the proposal to close down Rikers. But when it comes to the borough-based jails, she's a little skeptical.
1: Yeah. I heard her say that she wants smaller community-based facilities instead of one big 1,500-person 1, jail in Queens.
0: Right. Right. Now, Murray, on the other hand, just thinks we should rebuild Rikers still on Rikers Island. He says that the jail was built to detain people who have committed crimes against the city's citizens, so why should we make it a pleasant or comfortable place for them? But I think it's worth noting here that every single person held in Rikers has yet to be convicted of the crime that landed them there in the first place. And, of course, in the U.S. criminal justice system, everyone is presumed innocent until proven guilty.
1: Wow. Wow. I didn't know that about Rikers.
0: Yeah, so Rikers is a jail. It's not a prison. And prison is where you go when you've actually been convicted of a crime.
1: Okay. So what else should I know about Katz and Murray?
0: Well, the two disagree on bail reform, and they disagree about decriminalizing prostitution, and their approach to limiting gun violence is pretty different. But... What you need to know is that Katz essentially takes the more progressive position, while Murray, who actually is a Democrat running on the Republican line, he takes the less progressive, more conservative position.
1: Got it. I think I'm caught up. Good. If Melinda Katz wins the DA's race, a special election will be called for the seat of the Queensborough president. City Councilman Costa Constantinides has announced he's running for the seat. He centered his campaign around the climate crisis, diversity, and education issues. He came to The Courier to talk a little about his campaign and his vision for Queens. Hi, Councilman Costa. Thank you for joining us. Um, And just to start, uh, I was very interested in why you wanted to run for borough president.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to uh, be not only on the show, but be the first guest. I I, I have a hard bar to meet. Um, But I mean, I'm running for borough president because we're in a climate crisis. I'm running for borough president because we are at a a moment in time that demands bold action. And our next borough president should have a plan that's going to protect the 2.3 million residents of Queens, which is the largest borough in New York City. Uh, We're at a crisis moment where we need to train our kids for the 21st century and to give them the tools to, to win against climate change. You know, we're in a housing crisis. Um, You know, we need affordability. Rising rents and rising seas are pushing families out of their homes. And we need some borough president that's going to respond to that. And we need a borough president. We're in a transportation crisis where it takes, if I would have taken the bus here today, it would have been an hour and 20 minutes uh, from Astoria. And uh, there's, you know, we need need a borough president that's going to act on transportation, which ties back into climate. And, you know, my father came here in 1952 during McCarthy times. Um, he was, you know, was learn English, assimilate, don't call attention to yourself because uh, if not, you're not a good American and you were branded a communist and you were different. And I never learned English for that, I, mean, I never learned Greek for that reason. Uh, we're at a crisis of conscience right now in this country where our immigrant communities are in desperate need of protections and we need to be tying ourselves together. Um, so because of all of these crises, we need a borough president that's going to take bold action. I have plans to act on those crises and to, to make sure that we bring our borough into a greener, more sustainable, more protective state. And that's that's why I'm running.
1: In relation to the rest of the city, where does Queens stand in sustainability, resiliency, and green job creation?
2: You know, we need, we need to do more. We're in a climate emergency. We need to do more. Uh, I issued my climate plan this week that would uh, you know, look to create 50,000 jobs, green jobs here in New York City. You might ask, how do we do that? Uh, so you know, I just passed the Climate Mobilization Act, which was the largest emissions reduction policy in the history of New York City just a few months ago. That law is going to create 141,000 jobs as per the Urban Green Council. But what do we do to connect those jobs to people here in Queens? We need training programs. We need career technical education in our high schools teaching kids how to install solar panels, how to install wind energy. We need to have a harbor school here in the borough of Queens. Uh, There's a New York City public high school on Governor's Island that teaches kids how to work on the water, ferryboat captains, divers, all of these 21st century jobs, but they're going to people outside of our city because we don't have enough training. And Governor's Island, for a kid from Queens, is on the moon. So we need to create more job opportunities, more training programs. And if we solarize and green roof every city building, which I, is in my plan as well, um, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work that we're going to be creating here in the in the borough of Queens.
1: Um, you also talked about uh, power plants and how you want to close them. How would you go about doing that?
2: You know, 20 years ago, I, I'll make sure I'll, I'll talk quickly. Uh, 20 years ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> 20, 20
2: years ago, they opened... 10 power plants in the city of New York, two of them here in Queens, no environmental review next to public housing. Queensbridge houses, Ravens houses, Astoria houses. Again, no environmental review. They said they were going to last three years. They're 18 years old no they enough to vote. We need to close these power plants because those kids who live next to those plants have higher than the borough asthma rates. Asthma is an epidemic here in Queens. Fossil fuel infrastructure is literally making us sick. When it's also contributing to climate change, If You don't believe in climate change, which I believe you should, but if you don't, like your kids are getting sick from asthma because of a lot of the fossil fuel infrastructure. Power plants are 7% of the overall city emissions, and they're stationary. They don't get up and they stretch their legs. They're there all the time. So if we were to turn Rikers Island into a renewable energy infrastructure island, as proposed as part of the Renewable Rikers Act, we could create 100 acres of solar plus that would be enough power to close all those power plants I just talked about we can build a wastewater treatment plant on Rikers that could close several wastewater treatment plants. And in doing so, we can create a lot of green jobs. We can uh, close down fossil fuel power plants, and we can be prepared for the 21st century to, to combat climate change and reduce respiratory illness, which is a major problem here in the borough of Queens.
1: Now I want to talk a little more about the tech sector in Queens. So one of the biggest political battles in Queens this year was centered around Amazon's plan to create their HQ2 here in Long Island City, Uh, while you applauded Amazon for recognizing the borough's vibrant potential, you were critical of the scale of the project and other details surrounding it. If another tech development were to come along at the scale of Amazon HQ2, how would you handle that?
2: I'd want to make sure that we are negotiating up front. Uh, You know, workers are non-negotiable. When Amazon said that uh, they would not allow for one union... Uh, one person in a, in a union to work for them. They were not allowed anyone to organize. That's a real problem for me. You know, I come from a union background. My father-in-law came to this country, didn't speak a word of English, was able to get a job, support a family, put my, my wife and her, her siblings through school, and when he died, he left a pension. That's what unions are. Their windows into the middle class. For anyone to say they're not going to allow them, not one single uh, employee of theirs to become a union member, that's a problem for me. When they come in and make promises and want to put those promises off into the future, we do. You up in the city of New York. I negotiated the Story of Cove. We got a ferry dock. We got a five hundred thousand dollars for our, our senior center. We got a million dollars for our library. We got you know, the largest set aside of affordable housing at the time in New York City's history. We got union labor. We, got, we negotiate a contract up front. So I welcome any tech company that wants to come, but they're gonna have to work with us. They're gonna have to partner with neighborhoods. And I found Amazon to be disingenuous. When I sat down with them, I found them not to um, be open to real conversations. I wanna promise things in the future. That's not how I operate. You wanna work with me? Great, let's sit down, let's solve problems. Let's make sure workers are taken care of. Let's make Let's do the right thing by the residents of Queens. Let's build infrastructure, and I'll be part of that, right? We have a 40 to $65 million uh, budget in the borough president's office. I'll be part of the solution, but don't come here making a lot of promises that don't have dates determinable.
1: And diving a little more into that, what would you do to ensure equitable job creation in the tech sector?
2: I know we want to make sure that everyone comes, right? I think we have to build, we have to train our young people. I mean, I've promised to build. I built a hydroponic science lab in every school in my district. I've, um, you know, we have already opened science labs in district, council district 22. I want to make sure every kid in Queens has an opportunity to have science in their classrooms. Uh, we just opened this new, brand new STEM lab at 141. You know, we're going to have STEM in every school in Queens. Uh, we're going to have the career technical education that I talked about, where they're getting trained to do uh, solar. We're going to have coding in every school in Queens. We're going to make sure that our kids here in the borough uh, are prepared for the 21st century so that when uh, those good acting companies come, we're ready. We're ready for those jobs. Um, you know, we are ready to, to move our kids into that 21st and 21st century to solve the problems that we have.
1: During your first press conference, after announcing your candidacy, you introduced your diversity plan. Yes. Can you tell us a little more about that?
2: Definitely. I mean, as I talked about, you know, my dad being, you know, an immigrant um, I know my immigrant story. I know my wife's immigrant story where, you know, they came here not speaking any English, and I talked about that earlier. You know, so we have to protect our immigrant neighbors. So, you know, I walked to the borough of Manhattan. Bus broke down. It was the MTA. What else is new? (laughs) And there was a huge picture of Gail Brewer in Harlem because she had a satellite office there. Why is it that Queens, which is the largest borough landmass, 2.3 million people has only one office in Q Gardens. There are 66 employees of the Queensboro president, $4.97 million operating budget. So my, my, I believe that we can open satellite offices in communities. I mean, whether it's in Jackson Heights or Southeast Queens or here in Northeast Queens, we need to make sure that the borough feels connected to the borough president's office. And that's also about not only brick and mortar, right? It's not only about, oh, we're going to build offices, which we should, um, but we're also going to have, you know, in our local libraries, have borough president on your corner day, you know, have be in other elected officials' offices a couple times a week. You know, utilize that staff of sixty-six to be everywhere, to make sure that we're constantly reaching out, constantly disseminating information, constantly making sure that people feel that connection to the borough president's office, that we can be an agent for change in the borough.
1: As you've, I think, mentioned a little bit before too, Queen schools are some of the most overcrowded in the city. So, how would you push the DOE to address the need for new schools?
2: You know, we have the most trailers in the the city here in Queens. Uh, in Council District 22 I started office with four schools with trailers. When I leave office um, we will have one school left that's already in design to remove their trailers. Everybody else would have had their trailers removed already. We've been able to close trailers at PS 70, at PS 151, at PS 2, and we're in design at PS 85. So all of our schools have already removed their trailers. We've built new seats. We've been able to uh, make sure our kids get out of those trailers that freeze over. So as Queensborough president, I would ensure uh, that we're building new schools, that we're getting new seats, that we're building a curriculum for our children, as I talked about before, hydroponic science labs, STEM, technology, um, coding. Uh, you know, having solar power and green roofs in every school in Queens and then having a solar curriculum at PS 171, 100 and 516 solar panels, it's also going to have something in the auditorium that says, here's how much solar power is being created. Here's how much fossil fuels aren't being burned. Here's how much renewable energy is, uh, I mean, greenhouse gases are being averted. The kids can do science. They can do math. There can be a whole solar curriculum for them in these schools. So it's, it's about creating new seats. It's about building a curriculum that's better. I know, now, those are all things that I'm going to ensure as borough president.
1: Your opponent in the race, Jimmy Van Brainer, said he was going to refuse campaign donations from real estate developers. Uh, of course, he missed the deadline to return the money that was donated to him, but he did return it nonetheless. Um, so just to mm-hmm. go straight into it, are you going to refuse donations from real estate developers?
2: Uh, I mean, so I'm pretty proud of my record. Um, the New York Post called me a greedy progressive when we negotiated the Astoria Cove deal. Um, the Real Estate Board of New York uh, attacked me personally during the uh, vote on the Climate Mobilization Act. Um, I've proven that I have stood, up, I've, you know, I stand up for Queens families every day. I do the right things. I do the things that are important to the, the residents of our borough. Um, so I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to stand up to, put, to big interests. I beat the American Petroleum Institute uh, when they came into New York City when we tried to green our home heating oil. And uh, they spent $500,000 against my bill. Um, and there's still, right now, an attack on the Climate Mobilization Act. There's a report on how this hurts Queens families. I'll notice that there is no report that says how it hurts Manhattan families, Bronx families, Brooklyn families, or Staten Island families. I wonder why that is. That's because big pocketed real estate wants to attack me. So, I, you know, I'm going to be fighting for Queens families regardless. Uh, I'm going to be doing the work that needs to be done. Um so uh yeah, I applaud my colleague um for um for doing what he's done but I'm going to continue to that my record right my record is in standing up to big interests and in winning and I'm going to do that.
1: Thank you Council and Council. Thank you so much for
2: having me. It was really a lot of fun.
0: Lastly, we want to talk a little bit about the race for the public advocate seat. It's a three-way race between City Council member Joe Borelli, David Balkind and Jumani Williams who currently holds the office. As a reminder, Williams won the seat in a special election earlier this year when Letitia James was elected as state attorney general. During his brief stint in office, Williams has focused on the affordable housing crisis, increasing government transparency and accountability, and criminal justice reform. Borelli, remember, he's the city council member. He's a Republican from Staten Island, and he's been endorsed by all the major law enforcement unions in the city, including the Patrolman's Benevolent Association. Lastly, Balkind, who is in the tech and nonprofit world, wants to integrate tech to help government run more efficiently. In doing so, he wants to change the office completely. He said that he would turn the Public Advocate's office into a nonpartisan public interest technology organization, which would build software and offer services that make government faster, better, and cheaper. looking for something to do this week, we got you covered. The first thing you can do is go out and vote tomorrow, Tuesday, November 5th. If you're not sure where your closest polling site is located, go to www.votenyc to find out. Again, that's www.vote.nyc. Okay, I know I'm not cool, but teams, if you want to know how to do what we do now's your chance you can learn how to create your own podcast with a program created by people your own age for people your own age at the queen's library for teens in far rockaway the event is from 3 to 6 p.m on tuesday november 5th and admission is free Ride back in time with the Bayside Historical Society's classic car show. There'll be a variety of vintage and antique automobiles that will be showcased on the lawn of the BHS Castle at Fort Totten. Admission is free, and it's on Sunday, November 10th, from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. Vroom, vroom.
1: Vroom, vroom.
0: Vroom, vroom.
1: (laughs) That's our show. Thanks so much for tuning in. And make sure to head to qns.com to get more Queens news. This episode was produced by Jacob K, co-written and co-hosted by Jacob K and me, Angela Casavino. Our reporters are Jenna Bakal, Emily Davenport, Carlota Mohammed, Bill Perry, Max Parrott, and me. Our editor is Zach Goelb. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is brought to you by Schneps Media. See you next week.